0: Amen. Let's turn uh, in our Bibles tonight to Second Corinthians, Chapter Six. We come tonight to the Lord's table. We seek to remember what He did for us on the cross. We come to Jesus. We seek, oh Lord, help me to step away from this world and step closer to You. Um, You're in 2 Corinthians 6. Let me just read this from 1 Corinthians 11. Verses 24 and 26. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this cup and drink, or eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death, till he come. So there in verse twenty-six, once again, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death, till he come. Uh, we see four things uh, just in this one verse: the involvement, as often. As ye eat. The involvement. Ongoing remembrance. Of what Jesus did for us. We also see the ingredients. In this verse. Eat this bread. And drink this cup. The bread. And the, the juice. The elements. And we see the individual. Around whom. This service is centralized. Ye do show the Lord's death. It's about Jesus, our Lord. And then we see there's an incentive till he come. We look forward to seeing him. There's an expectation. Uh, Right now, we can't thank him in person. Tonight, we're going to thank him we're not thanking a memory. He's alive and well. We thank the Lord Jesus tonight. But aren't you looking forward to thanking him in person? Forever and ever. Are we living with an eagerness that he might come tonight? Many times the way we live, we'd rather put out of our mind that he might be here tonight. Life would be far better with the till he come mindset. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us tonight. Lord, I do pray you'd meet with us, Lord, as a church. Lord, help us to see some things we can step away from so that we might step closer to you, O God. Meet with us tonight. And Lord Jesus, can't wait to be with you forever. And thank you in person. But tonight, Lord, you're very much alive. And thank you. We cannot begin to imagine what you went through for us. We cannot begin to imagine. But Lord, tonight I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to draw closer to you and away from whatever is necessary. Saying goodbye to anything that's between our soul and the Savior. Meet with us tonight, I ask. I pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Alright, so there you are in Second in Corinthians chapter 6. Um, it's interesting, there in verse 14, uh, they use the word communion. Communion. And here, it's, the, it's, a, it's an impossible communion. Uh, so, kind of here in this in this passage, we're gonna we kind of see there's an impossible communion, but an understanding an impossible communion. Hopefully, we can see a possible communion, uh, one that is pleasing to our God. Let's read these verses, uh, verse 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, because of this, because of the things we just read. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I see, first of all, there's a special blessing Of course, we'll hit that secondly, but I want you to draw your attention to it first. Oh, what a blessing in verses 17 and 18. A special blessing. I will receive you. And, so there's a second part. We'll be a father unto you. And, there's a third part. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What a special blessing. That's good stuff. Wow. But before the special blessing, before the second part of verse 17 and verse 18, we see something about separated believers. Separated believers. We see verse 17. Wherefore, because of these things, wherefore, come out from among them. And, there's a second part, be ye separate, saith the Lord. And, there's a third part, touch not the unclean thing. So tonight we see, there's a special blessing, but only. For separated believers. A special blessing for separated believers. Oh, this life of separation, it might seem difficult, but God will make it worth your while. Amen. In this life and in the life to come, forever and ever. The wherefore. In verse 17, it ties this section to what was just stated. Wherefore, because of this, and it leads up to verse 17. So let's, let's take a trip through those verses. Let's examine uh, what the wherefore is referring to. In verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship, or even the idea of communion, there, an idea of communion. What communion? What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion? Again, the idea of fellowship. Hath light with darkness. Unequally yoked. Don't do it. Now, isn't it, isn't it amazing the size of farm equipment nowadays? You feel like you could drive underneath it. You know, you're, you're like, ah, oh, this you know, giant piece of farm equipment in the road, maybe out closer to the other side of Illinois or Iowa. And you're like, oh, this guy's pulling up, you know, taking up the whole road. That piece of equipment's as big as my house. You feel like, I, I want to look and try to pass him. And like, I think I can drive underneath him. It's so gigantic. Before our mighty farm machines, man used the power of animals to get work done. In more urban areas, you, you would find that the teams consisted more frequently of, of horses or, or donkeys. Uh, while in the more rural areas, one might find teams consisting of yoked oxen. But it was understood that to yoke up a horse or a mule or an ass with an ox would not only be unworkable, it would be uncompassionate weaker of the two animals was bound to be injured. It was uncompassionate, unworkable, impractical. You're asking for injury. In fact, the law of Moses forbade it. Deuteronomy 22.10 Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Certain things don't belong together. You're just asking for problems. You're asking for injury. You're asking for... Awful things to happen. Paul uses this illustration to show the danger of yoking up with an unbeliever in in marriage or even other less binding partnerships. Be very, very cautious binding your life with an unbeliever. Righteousness and unrighteousness do not mix, light and darkness do not mix. When you turn on a light in a room, the darkness simply flees away, doesn't it? It's not like the light kind of puts you know, ah, Come on, get out of here. It's my turn. Wouldn't that be funny every time you turn on the lights? Turn on the lights and the, the darkness, okay, start pushing the darkness out. No, the moment you turn those lights on, the darkness ceases to be. It flees away. Verse 15, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? The word concord comes from the, the word symphonesis, where we get our word symphony from. The idea of harmony, or of uh, the parts being in agreement. The name Belial is a transliteration, not translated uh, from the Hebrew. Literally means worthless, another name for the devil. By the way, he chose worthlessness. God created him with worth. He chose an existence of worthlessness when he turned his back on his creator. The name Belial, worthless. Well, the world wants to push this idea that, that mankind, we can all coexist, right? But we've seen the bumper sticker, haven't we? Coexist on the back of someone's car. And those same people would say, we want to get along, all of us, except for those Christians. They're haters. And we want the world rid of them. But everyone besides the Christians. Such hypocrisy. I, I, I think Cain, if he had a, a car, I think he would have had a coexist thing, bumper sticker on the back of his car. And then gone over and killed Abel. For standing for what's right. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Concord? Harmony? No, discord and clashing. There are sounds, there are musical sounds that clash. Right, music theory students, the, the tritone. There, there's, there's sounds that just clash with each other. What concord hath Christ with Belial? There is none. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Yes, we live this life trying to reach out to those infidels to consider Christ. That's an important... God has a a heart for those infidels to draw them to himself. But we draw them to Christ. And at the same time, Psalm chapter 1 still exists, doesn't it? We have to be careful about our associations with unbelievers. The Bible still warns us in Psalm 1, 1 through 2, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 16. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Paul now lays out his coup de grace. Coup de grace is a that that final blow. And, and often it has the idea of showing mercy. Like when the maybe you you're you're hunting and the animal is almost dead, and you put it out of its misery with your Coup de grace. Here he delivers this final blow, drawing from Leviticus twenty six twelve and and thirty in Ezekiel thirty seven twenty seven, mixing temples, temp, mixing the temple of God with idols. Oh, this would have caused the hair on the back of the necks of the Jews to stand up. They would have recalled. The abomination of Antiochus Epiphanes in erecting an idol in their sacred temple. Oh, such things ought not to be done. To erect an idol in the temple of Almighty God. Oh, it shouldn't be. Absolutely abhorrent. But then Paul says, wait a second. If that's abhorrent, aren't you are you the temple of the living God? And what worldliness, what idolatry are you allowing into your life? He points out that as believers, they were the temple of the living God. Shouldn't worldliness and idolatry in association with believers be equally If not more abhorrent. That brings us now to verse 17. We see the the separate believers. And of course, we're excited. We're aiming toward the special blessing. Keep it in mind there's a special blessing, but only for separated believers. Oh boy, we don't like these verses naturally. They go against me getting my way, but it's worth it. Remember, we're aiming toward those special blessings. It's worth it to be a separated believer. So here we see the three things about being a separated believer. Come out from among them. Come out from among them. First, I see the direction of this separation. That word come. What does a parent mean when they say to their little, one, come? What direction are they hoping their child will take? The shortest distance between two lines from where they are to where dad is. Come. That word is precious. But a lot of times we fixate on the out from among them. What do I have to leave to be a Christian? No, 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 no. That word come. What a precious word. That God up in heaven would say, Come. Come. What direction are we to be taking in this life? Listen for the voice of God saying, Come. Wherever you are to where He is, the shortest distance between two lines, head that direction. The direction. Of separation, don't just come out, don't just separate from them, but come to where I am. We think of the prodigal son; he didn't just climb out of the pig pen, but he went back to where the father was. I think of uh, Mister Hady. The example, when, when he got saved, uh, he, he, found, he, w- he went back to the bar, if I remember the story correctly. He, he's a new Christian. He heads back to the bar, and he's in there drinking. And the uh, Holy Spirit says, you have no business being in here drinking. You're a Christian. Oh, okay. So a little while later, his friends are like, hey, let's go to the bar. And he thinks, well, I, I can just drink a Coke. I can do something that's okay in the wrong place. But again, he's growing. He's growing. He goes into the bar. He's sipping down that Coke. It was like the Holy Spirit convicted him again. You have no business being in a bar. You belong to me. There's a separation that is involved when you belong to me. And he never went back. Now, he could have said, I'm shining for the Lord here. Not at a bar. You don't shine when you go to the wrong places. All you can do is compromise. There are some places where we're giving ourselves permission to go to. Someone was asking me about workout places. Public workout places. Now, they're asking me, how do do you live that separated life? Um, What should a Christian's relationship be to the public workout place? And I put some thought into that. First of all, not all public workout places are the same, are they? There's people that go to workout places for therapy. Uh, Go to to the hospital. (laughs) Go to their their workout area and, and get a workout there. I imagine... John and Andy, those guys, there's workout places for the police officers. Imagine there's workout places for the firemen. But many of your typical gyms, you're going to be working out next to that workout babe. She's dressed seductively and super immodestly. Here, we even separate our workout facilities here. with and, and our ladies are going to come in dressed appropriately. And we still have two separate workout places here. The young man that says, I can work out next to the, the sports babe that's not dressed right. I can handle it. That's how tough I am. No. Tonight, God is asking us to grow in this area of separation. The direction of separation. The wise young man says, My God wants me living a separated life. The direction toward the Father's heart, not toward the devil's pig pen. And remember, there are special blessings for a separated believer. So let's be serious about the direction. Of separation, it's worth it. Amen. Secondly, the distinction of separation, he says, Be ye separate. The distinction of separation, be distinct from this world. And have you, this world is gross. This world system, he describes it there in 1 John 2 15 through 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It can't be both. It can't be both. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. This world is lustful. Lustful. Driven by Lust. Young people and older people alike, we can't let them tell us what to wear. They're driven by a lustfulness. Tight, revealing clothes on the girls. The skinny pants on the guys. Hugging every part of them. Accentuating. This world is sick. It's lustful. Don't put on the world's fashions. Lustful. Lustful. This world pushes so hard. It's so gross to get the fashions on a believer. And we shouldn't want anything to do with that. I accuse this world of being lustful. And I just told you that God said so there in 1 John 2. But then the world turns the tables, don't they? They're good at turning the tables. And they say, oh, you go to that church, you've got that hateful preacher. He's hateful. He calls us lustful. That's, and, and the only reason he says it, he's hateful. They accuse preachers of being hateful. What's your opinion? Well, your opinion is going to matter according to which voice you're tuned into. Be separate. Be distinct. And remember... There are special blessings for the separated believer. The last thing he says: "Touch not the unclean thing." There's the disgust of the separation. We should be disgusted with the unclean thing down here. There's a, a, a kind of there's a secular time management guy. I like to listen to throughout the week. He gives us a little some some clips on on using your time wisely. So, Monday I'll just listen to what he says about using your time wisely and, and and being more efficient. But on Fridays, after he's done with his little piece of advice, he goes into into some Friday funnies. And most every time, something in there is uh, makes you cringe. Like, "Oh, that's that's borderline or That's a little off color. Uh, um, Now, the way I see it, there's two ways for me to listen to that and there's two ways for me to stop cringing. One would be to keep listening until it doesn't bother me anymore. But there's a, a second way for me to quit cringing. As soon as that part starts, I shut it off. I could keep listening until it doesn't bother me anymore or quit listening because I want that to continue bothering me. Music. Music. What music are you listening to? Is it of God or is it of this world? And there's some that have given themselves permission to listen to what they call worship music. I feel, I feel really good about God when I listen to it. I mean, it moves me. You've got to stop using that. <laughs> How many times have you been watching a cartoon and the little fictional whatever thing dies and you're, and you're, you're choked up because of the music that's playing? You're like, what in the world? There's like a little tear forming and the little teacup died. What in the world? Just because it moves you doesn't mean a thing. What does it move you to do? I feel good about God. You feel good is is, is all you're saying. When you listen to that music, do you find you're more in tune with what your parents want? Or is there a rebellion that is coming from somewhere? I can tell you where it might be. We're listening to some music that's building some rebellion in our hearts. Are you more in tune? I go to school appreciative for my teachers. I praise God for my, my pastor and the other leadership. Or there's a rebellion coming from somewhere. I can't stand those people correcting me. I'll tell you where it might be. That music that's moving you. You're addicted. It's moving you to the wrong places. Be careful. Music is powerful. It reaches past our mind into our very heart and takes hold of the steering wheel and turns it. And you know what? You didn't even give it permission to. You didn't think it through. It reaches past all those things and turns your life. Be careful. Be careful. Cultivated disgust for what this world is comfortable with. Parents, what movies are our kids watching? What sorcery or fantasy or plain worldly shows, things that maybe used to horrify us? Somewhere along the line, something happened. Boy, you touch the unclean thing enough times... And what used to disgust you doesn't disgust you anymore. Cultivate a disgust for the unclean thing. And remember, there are special blessings for the separated believer. All right, we're there now. The special blessings. Ah, I like blessings. Blessings. And don't forget their blessings being a Christian. A lot of times, it's just Christians is all the, you know, Christianity is just all the thou shalt nots, thou can't haves, and if if it brings a smile to your face, it's probably wicked. No, that's not true. That's not true. Let's not stop there, just. uh. No, there's special blessings for the separated believer. Let's look at them. I see the promise of the special blessing. He said, I will receive you. The promise, that reminds us of, of what the Bible says. He, he promises there in James "For if you'll draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. It's a promise. Hold him to that promise. He wants you to. Now, little kids can be disrespectful when they say, Mom, Dad, but you promised. You promised. Oh, they might need some swats for that. But I think we need to go to God and say, But you promised. He's always good for all of his promises. What does it say there in James? James. 4, 7, and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands. Oh, man. The part of coming close to God is being clean. We just saw that, didn't we? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double minded. Separation gets a bad rap. But it shouldn't. Alec, will you come here? Now you stay there. He says, come out from among them and I will receive you. And a lot of times all we hear is, from among them, the things I can't have because I'm a Christian. But you know what separation looks like? Come out from among them and I will receive you. Can I show you what it looks like? We, can I show you what separation really looks like? Thank you. That's what separation looks like. It's not ugly, it's one of the most beautiful things in the Bible. I see the promise of this special blessing. I will receive you. And then I see the pity of this special blessing. And will be a father unto you. Where do I get pity from? Well, my mind kind of went over to Psalm 103, verse 13. That says, Like as a father pitieth his children... So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. The pity of a father for a child that respects and loves and honors him. The pity of this special blessing. The heart of our God goes out in a special way to those that fear him. James 4, 6, just before these verses, we read it a little earlier. He gives grace to the humble. The promise of this special blessing, I will receive you. The pity of this special blessing, and will be a father unto you. And I see the privilege of this special blessing. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, Saith the Lord Almighty. When that prodigal son came back, he stepped away from the pig pen. He wasn't sure how his father was going to receive him. I'm sure he had played through this scenario a thousand different ways. But when he got there, Luke fifteen, twenty two, what does the Bible say? The father ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him and gave him a robe. And not just a robe. The Bible says bring the best robe. A ring for his hand. Shoes for his feet. Get the special fatted calf. Let's kill it. I want to be full. I want to be married with my son a young man who stepped away from the world and into the good graces of his Father. This special place of answered prayer. Would you like that place? Would you like that place of close communion with God? A place where you can cry out to Him and you know He hears your prayer? you know you're in tune with him. And so you know you're praying within his will. You're knowing that victory in life. Do you want that place? Come out from among them and be separate. Touch not that unclean thing. And I will receive you. And be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters. Boy, that model prayer seems so lifeless to, to us sometimes. There in Matthew 6, 9, Our Father, which art in heaven. Wouldn't you like to be so real? Well, you can't even get those past those first two words. You go to pray, Our Father. And you can't even go any further. You're just so overwhelmed that He's your Father. The very next verse, in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God.